You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters, and today we're going to give five reasons that the world is just going to love the Antichrist. You know, the man of sin or Antichrist will be the most evil man to have ever lived, yet he will be loved and adored by the world population, even by churchgoers sitting in the pews next to you. This isn't just because he'll be a good speaker or be charismatic or be promoted by the media, like, you know former U.S. presidents like Obama, these things may help, but it will be because of specific actions that he's going to take as predicted by Bible prophecy. In this video, we're going to list them out. If you and your friends that you share with are aware of these things, you will be able to avoid the great deception and great falling away, and so will they. The things, you know, that are going to come upon the church Remember, those outside the church have nothing to fall away from. They're already lost. Only those listening to the word of God and thinking that they're Christians can fall away from whatever level of faith they have. So let's start digging into the scriptures and see what it says about this man, Antichrist. The first reason that people will love him is that the Antichrist is going to become a worldwide hero. He's going to free the world from the most wicked, totalitarian government that had ever existed to that point. The Bible calls this government Mystery Babylon, and it takes power prior to the rise of the Antichrist and rules over the entire world. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. This means that this entity rules over the kings initially. It rules over the ten kings who will give power to the Antichrist, and it rules over the Antichrist himself. We're told this entity sits on the beast or Antichrist. It steers him initially. And this entity will be so evil that its fall is the only empire whose fall is celebrated in heaven. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth and her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cry out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Revelation 19, 1-3. So the resurrected and raptured saints in heaven will be celebrating the fall of this entity. Why? We're told specifically because the blood of the saints that this entity shed. In Revelation 17.6, we can learn that this one world government is drunk on the blood of the saints. It not only kills saints, but in Revelation 18.24, we learn, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. So it's going to slay a lot of people, believers, unbelievers, even prophets. And it's going to enslave a lot of people. Yes, slavery is coming back in full force in the end times. A lot of our listeners are probably unaware of this. 
In Revelation 18, 13, we see Babylon's capital has all kinds of wealth coming into it, including human slaves. At the return of Jesus in Revelation 6, 15, both the free and slave hide in the rocks and caves of the earth. In Revelation 13, 16, we learn the mark of the beast is forced on the rich and the poor, as well as the free and the slave. And at Armageddon, the flesh of both free and slave are eaten by the birds after the battle. In Revelation 19, 18, and in another end-time passage, Joel 3, 3, the nations enslaved boys and girls for prostitutes and wine as payment. Slavery is a major factor in the coming evil empire. And this is the only empire whose fall is celebrated in the Bible by heavenly residents. Not Egypt, not Rome, not Nazi Germany, but Mystery Babylon. If those empires were evil, just imagine how evil this coming empire is going to be. And if its fall is celebrated in heaven, imagine how it's celebrated on earth. So whoever is credited with its downfall will be a hero, a superhero. Those in heaven know that God is the one who ultimately judges this government. But those on earth attribute it to the Antichrist. Let's look at how Revelation 17, 16 through 17 describes this. In the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire, for God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So the beast overcomes Babylon, but it is God who ultimately is behind this judgment, both to judge Babylon and to allow the beast his brief time to reign in order to fulfill God's word. In Matthew 24, 6, Jesus said, these are the things that must take place, things that must happen for his plan to be realized. Why? Well, Jesus knows why. He is God, but we aren't. He's perfect, and his plan is perfect. But we can't always understand everything, just what the scriptures allow us to understand. But the takeaway from this teaching is the Antichrist is the one the world perceives that frees them from the empire of Babylon. He is going to be a hero. Look at what Revelation 13, 4 says. And they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? When do they say this? The Bible isn't completely clear. But likely, when the beast wins his big victory over Babylon. Think about that. Babylon is ruling over all the kings of the earth. It is the most evil empire the world has seen to that time, and the Antichrist defeats it. This is a reason people will worship him, just as we saw, because of his military power that overcomes something that you can't even imagine can be overcome, an empire that controls the entire earth. Now, I know you're finding this very interesting, and we have... Four more reasons that the Antichrist is going to be loved. But in this section about Mystery Babylon, and you're discovering new ideas you haven't heard, and 
I know you'd like to hear more about this empire. Well, on August 5th, we're having an online conference, Last Days Overcomers, my ministry is having it, where we're going to talk about overcoming the collapse of everything, the events that are leading to this horrible Mystery Babylon government. And we do it off of YouTube. No censorship whatsoever. It's an online conference. And that no censorship part is key to getting ready for these kind of things. So if you want to learn how to prepare right now for these things, click on lastdaysovercomer.org slash events. And you'll be taken to our website where you can sign up for this conference. It's all day online conference that you can attend anywhere in the world and get this information. I know you want to do it. Now, let's get back to the Antichrist. The second reason the world loves the beast is that he also frees the world from the two witnesses. Now, we know that these are holy men of God, empowered to witness to the divinity of Jesus and to the salvation he won on the cross. But the world won't view them as good. It's going to view them as horrible. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut up the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, which are 1260 days, by the way. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. Revelation 11, 5 through 7. So the two witnesses are causing plagues and drought, killing people with fire. They're hated by unbelievers. So when the Antichrist is empowered by the beast from the bottomless pit and kills the witnesses, look at how the world reacts. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 11, 9-10. The people of the earth are going to celebrate. They're going to declare a holiday and exchange presents. It's going to be like Christmas to them. Imagine how beloved the Antichrist will be then. He's the one who will free the earth from those the world saw as its tormentors. I'm sure you're now beginning to see why the Antichrist is able to come into the temple of God and sit there. People wouldn't pay any attention to a normal leader sitting in the temple. I mean, let's say somebody like Macron or even the Pope chose to sit there. Most people would say, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? Who does he think he is? But this man just conquered the worldwide totalitarian state that had slaughtered and enslaved millions, probably the state that imposed social credit scores and digital currency, the state of the Great Reset that stole the assets of everyone on earth. You owe nothing and they will be happy, remember? It will likely seem a miracle that the Antichrist is able to overcome that government with all the combined powers of the nations. 
Then he's going to kill these two guys, the two witnesses that no one has been able to harm for three and a half years. It is obvious that they're supernaturally empowered beings because of the fire that comes out of their mouths and the plagues they cause. So when the beast kills them, the world reasons he is a supernatural being worthy of sitting in the temple on the Temple Mount. But is he worthy to claim to be God himself? Let's keep looking at the third reason the world loves him, and that's because he solves the earth's problems. In Daniel 8.23, at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles shall arise. This seems so innocent, but it's really a loaded dynamite passage. The phrase understands riddles is a 16th century way of saying he solves incredible problems. The Hebrew word for riddles is kidah, meaning perplexing questions. Maybe like a cure for cancer, or maybe Middle East peace. These are perplexing questions that no one's been able to answer. Can you see how a person who would answer that type of question would be venerated and adored? He would be seen as the source of truth, wouldn't he? Now, Jesus is the truth. He is the answer. But a man who was solving problems like this would be that kind of individual the immediate help-seeking world would want. Those who want immediate answers would flock to him. Let's put two and two together and see why something we generally see as horrid might actually be the solution to a problem as well. We already discussed how the two witnesses will cause a drought for all 1,260 days of their ministry. What will that cause? Food and water shortages, right? It will cause incredible famines. And this famine comes from God himself because it's from the two witnesses. So as a world leader, the Antichrist will have to solve this problem for those he leads. Perhaps the solution is the mark of the beast. Yes, you might not have thought about this as a solution, but it might be framed that way. Maybe it's a digital ID and a digital currency that allow food to be rationed to, to the whole world. And those who take this mark are able to buy and sell to receive the rations. Of course, the real price is that in order to get these rations, you have to worship the beast and accept eternal damnation. But to the unbelievers, it will likely look like a solution to an incredible problem. This brings us to the fourth reason the world would love and worship the Antichrist. He would be a miracle worker. Jesus told us this directly in Matthew 24, 24, and 25. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. These signs and miracles are so amazing that they will deceive and lead astray the whole world, curing the blind and lame, maybe feats of strength, or reading minds, I mean, who knows exactly what kind of miracles this guy is going to do? And the world is susceptible to this. Imagine your child has an incurable disease. Many parents will take their child to this guy and the same way people took their sick and lame to Jesus. He's going to be the anti-Jesus after all. And Jesus said, only the elect, those with the Holy Spirit, will be able to see through these miracles as having come from Satan.
In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 10, Paul gives us the source of this man's power. The coming of a lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So solving seemingly impossible problems and doing miracles like no other human being on earth certainly will give most the idea that this man of sin has the right to proclaim himself a god, and they will absolutely love him for it. But there is a final reason, a fifth reason. It appears he will conquer death. Here is what Revelation says about this aspect. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. The beast, this time meaning the false prophet, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Revelation 13, 3, 14, and 15. Knowing from Revelation 17 that each head is both a kingdom, a mountain, and a king, those who want to focus only on the kingdom aspect miss this point. It is a near-death experience for both king and kingdom. Jesus' proof that he was God, God incarnate, was his ability to rise from the dead. So it's no surprise that Satan is going to try to imitate the same thing to minimize Jesus and maximize this man, the Antichrist. However, Satan doesn't have the power to raise from the dead so it is likely that AI, genetic manipulation, or some other technology is used to make it seem like a resurrection happened. Exactly what happens, we aren't told. But we are told that at this point, the false prophet has an image of the beast created. And it's that image that people worship, not the beast himself. That's a very important and subtle point. Is that image a genetically modified being, no longer a human, so it wouldn't really be the beast anymore, would it? Or an AI modified being, or, or both? Again, we need to be ready for all possibilities. In Revelation 18, 8 through 11, we get more clues. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains or kingdoms on which the woman is seated. And they are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come, and when he does come, he must remain only a little while. For the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. So there is definitely something that comes up out of the bottomless pit from the days prior to John's day, back in 95 or 96 A.D., that comes back and is part of the supposed resurrection. Now, is this genetics? Is it a demonic spirit? 
or an AI generation, it's really impossible to say with absolute certainty. But it's also likely linked to the worship of the beast. The world is going to marvel at this. They'll say, see, he rose from the dead. And even possibly the promise of eternal life for others using genetics or AI that was used on the beast will be offered kind of like a fake resurrection and a fake eternal life. And the promise would be linked, I think, to taking the mark. And that's probably why it's eternal damnation. All these things would cause the world to love the Antichrist. We see him as evil personified, but the unrepentant aren't going to see him that way. Many in the pews on Saturday and Sunday won't, because to the world, he will gradually seem greater and greater, first a conquering hero, the discoverer of secret knowledge, a miracle worker, and then someone who conquers death. You can see why the world will worship him. But in all of this, he refuses to worship God and instead blasphemes God. So it's going to set up this really clear choice, God's Savior or man's Savior. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 